book of 1 Kings chapter 20. I'm going to be reading from verse 31 through to 34. Book of 1 Kings chapter 20. There's an old uh, war story in regards to Napoleon. And it was a time where after the war had concluded that a lot of soldiers who had ultimately not followed correct instructions had to ultimately be reprimanded for leaving their post, for ultimately not obeying commands. And there was one man who, because of his... Uh, disobedience was going to face the firing squad and the story goes that uh, the mother of this child that was going to be uh, uh, assassinated for uh, leaving his post and not following commands uh, approached Napoleon and began to beg for him to be excluded from this. She began to say, my, my son is a good man. And uh, they believed that Napoleon's response was, uh, but he deserves this. He knew what he was doing. He understood the consequences. And he is getting what he deserves. The mother pondered for a moment and responded in a way that caught the heart of Napoleon. She says, I'm not asking for justice. I'm asking for mercy. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. You know, the truth is, is that there are a lot of people that are wandering this world. They ultimately are going to face the judgment, the wrath of God. They know that their lives are not right in the eyes of God. They know that the way that they live is incorrect. And it's a failure in the mind that ultimately throughout that, throughout living that lifestyle, it keeps them away from ever coming into the presence of God. They feel that they're too sinful. They feel that they could never measure up. Because of this weighing judgment upon their, upon their spirit, a lot of people never cry out. Just like this mother cried out, mercy. Mercy. I want to preach to you a sermon entitled, The Mercies of God. Out of the book of 1 Kings, chapter 20, verses 30 through to 34, the Bible says these words, then his servant said to him, Look now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us put sackcloths around our waists and ropes around our heads and go out to the kings of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they wore sackcloths around their waists and put ropes around their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. And he said, Is he still alive? He is my brother. 
Now the men were watching closely to see whether any signs of mercy would come from him. And they quickly grasped at this word and said, Your brother Benadad. So he said, Go bring him. Then Benadad came out to him and he had him come up into the chariot. So Benadad said to him, The cities which my father took from your father I will restore. And you may set up marketplaces for yourselves in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will send you away with this treaty. So he made a treaty with him and sent him away. The mercies of God. I want to look firstly this evening at the normal mindsets. You know, a lot of people live with this weight on their minds that we get what we deserve. Uh, my daughter's teacher would always tell her, you get what you get and you don't get upset. And it's this mentality that drives human personality today that ultimately uh, it is something that is uh, uh, mentioned many times. We're all uh, on the road to destruction unless we come into the presence of God. This is something that is normally uh, affirmed in sermons. Uh, we've all heard or seen uh, the red-faced uh, preacher that is screaming out, repent, uh, repent, repent. Uh, and the truth is, is that while this is very gospel this is very true we fail to many times mention or at least illustrate that with the very real gravity of sin there is God's mercy that is at hand how many know we need hope can anybody say amen Hebrews 10 27 says but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation uh, which will devour the adversaries this is prominent uh, this is the mindset that many times grips many people uh, that I remember as a young man that I, I would do things uh, and I would fear the judgment that would come upon me had my father found out ultimately uh, I would be fearful for my life because I knew that he would uh, he would bring judgment uh, my rebellion. Now in this passage of scripture, mercy is displayed. We have Ben-Hadad, who is the king of Syria, once again fighting against Israel. This war had gone on for many, uh, many centuries, uh, now is continuing, and it is during the time of King Ahab. Uh, we know King Ahab was a very wicked man. And yet, in amongst all these battles, this particular battle, ultimately, Ben-Hadad attacks northern Israel. He is accompanied by 32 other kings, and the Bible says Israel defeats them. And so as a result, here is Ben-Hadad who comes with his tail between his legs. He's not, he knows he's defeated. He knows he deserves to be killed. He knows that there is a real judgment that is coming his way. And in his mind, automatically, there's something that triggers him. And, and, and he begins to cry out and say, Look, we've heard the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Now this speaks volumes because what it says about the Israelites is that they served a God who was merciful. They served a God who ultimately emanated mercy and as a result the people of God would ultimately imitate that as well. Now this brings hope for us. Can anybody say amen? 
That in times of war, in times of battle, in times of ultimately having failures and having losses in life and seeing great destruction all around us, the hope is is that we can cry out to a merciful God, cry out mercy and know that He is a merciful God that is able to move on our behalf. Now what you have to understand is that relationship with God, this illustrates That relationship with God shapes human conduct and nature. The Bible is God's self-revelation to mankind and you can see it in any Christian organization that has gone into the foreign worlds, whether it be digging wells or establishing hospitals and universities, these Christian these Christian organizations that are trying to infiltrate the world and help are ultimately acting upon the understanding that the God they serve is a merciful God and they're emanating that through their lives. It's interesting at how in the Old Testament, David gains this revelation in 2 Samuel 24, 14. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for His mercies are greater. But do not let me fall into the hands of man. David understood that deep down in the woven fabric of mankind, we are men that want justice. We want revenge. We want ultimately to be vindicated. But thank God that we can cry out to a God, that we can turn to a merciful God, and He will be able to demonstrate mercy in our lives. We know we don't deserve it, but we're crying out in our desperation. And in that, ultimately understand in the hands of God we will be shown great mercy Moses had an encounter with God and if you think about Moses' life at this passage of scripture where he's actually going to meet with the very visible presence of God at the burning bush prior to this he had committed murder tried to cover up his mistake and then when confronted he fleed how many know that guilty people run away, right? There's no innocent. There's a, uh, I don't know if, you, if this is relevant, but there was a, a famous football player by the name of Ben Cousins. How many know Ben Cousins? Ever heard of Ben Cousins? And so he was uh, ultimately uh, uh, being watched by the police. There's a number of things in regards to drugs. And uh, uh, he, he, he got a brown low, but he was uh, uh, the whole time uh, uh, on, on some uh, uh, you know, drugs and, and uh, involved with gang members and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so one particular time he's driving down the road, he sees a, a booze bus ahead. And so he stops his car and he runs. And so they catch up to him and finally say, you know, what, what are you doing? He goes, you know what, I just, I just couldn't go through the booze bus. And, uh, have you got any drugs on you? Have you got anything? Oh, no, 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 I just, I just panicked. No, no, you didn't. You were guilty. Here is Moses that is running away from God. He's not in 
the purposes and the will of God and ultimately once again is confronted with the presence of God. In Exodus 3, 5, the Bible says, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. And we read that and we think, how can a murderer, how can someone who has turned his back on God, who has ultimately failed in his life, how could he ever be invited back into the presence of God? And yet God shows Mercy to His people. We can wrestle with that, can't we? We think He doesn't deserve it. When in reality, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and the greatest lie that you could ever believe from the devil is that you will never be welcomed back. Let me say to you this evening, if you're wrestling with this mindset, let me just remind you, my God is a merciful God. The Bible story is a, God, is a story of a God's redemption. And that's what the cross is all about. So I'm going to look secondly this evening at God is able to change hearts. If you do your studying in regards to King Ahab, you'd see he's a twisted soul. In fact, it's in the following passages of Scripture in the next uh, uh, chapter that uh, uh, King Ahab is having a little tanty. He's not happy about uh, uh, a person that has got a property, a vineyard next to his palace. He wants to buy it. He asks the man, the owner of the uh, vineyard, and the vineyard uh, owner of the vineyard says, you can't have it. He's the king of Israel and he's not being permitted a piece of land. You own anything else you want. You can take it. It's yours. And the Bible says that Ahab has a little uh, tanty. He begins to cry. He begins to curl up in the fetal position, probably even suck on his thumb. This is a grown man having a little fit. His wife Jezebel confronts him and says, Now, Exercise your authority over Israel. Rise up, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters to Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent letters to the elders of the nobles uh, who were dwelling in the city uh, with Naboth. It goes on to say that they ended up executing him and Ahab took the land. That's twisted. That's messed up. He engineered all of this, engineered by fraud. He was uh, ultimately uh, led by carnal desires. Uh, and so this is only just a chapter before uh, this passage of Scripture where you have an ungodly king uh, that is crying out. Uh, and here in this moment, uh, this wicked, twisted king uh, turns and God uses him to show mercy upon his enemy. How many know that God can cause the hearts of the wicked to be turned? The Bible says that in 1 Kings 20 verse 34, So Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities which your fathers took from your father I will restore, and you may set up marketplaces for yourselves in Damascus, and my father did as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will send you away with this treaty. And he showed mercy to this king. 
we see that mercy was something that God demonstrated in the Gospels when Jesus Christ was brought a woman of caught in adultery, she is absolutely shamed in front of her city, in front of her neighbors, her friends and family. She is exposed for who she really is. And here is the Pharisees that bring her to him and say, Teacher, she was caught in the very act of adultery. And it is Jesus Christ that is recorded saying, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Now this is contrary to the mindsets. Many times we say that and we go, whoa, that's, that's, she's bad. And we categorize uh, sin with different compartments and different levels. Uh, well, he's a murderer, he's, a, uh, you know, he's a, an adulterer, a fornicator, and all these different levels. And, je- and Jesus approaches us and said, all right, let's just really talk this through. It's amazing at how Jesus changed the heart of the Pharisees because one by one they began to drop their stones and leave. But he also changed the character of the woman caught in adultery. That at that moment, Jesus said, go and sin no more. And how is that, that a woman that's caught in the very act is shown mercy after being exposed? This is the God that we serve. Can anybody say amen? You know, mercy strikes at the heart of man. We may not deserve mercy, but thank God that we serve a merciful God. Mercy is used over 400 times in the Bible. Mercy has been defined as someone that has power over somebody else and chooses not to harm them. It also is defined as forgiving someone that they actually have the right to punish. So think about that. We are sinners. We deserve hell, but we cry out for mercy. We cry out, Lord, if you would be willing, show mercy upon my life. I want to look thirdly and in closing at contrast, grace against uh, grace and mercy. They say grace is getting what you don't deserve and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Back to Napoleon's story, here is this man who has committed a, a, a felony. He, he has come against his authority. He has not obeyed commands. Uh, and this in the, light, in the duty of war is ultimately uh, punishable. It is ultimately uh, a betrayal of his oath as uh, a, a, a soldier. And so here is Napoleon. He is absolutely justified. This man needs to be executed. He is not allowed to serve in our country anymore. He can not fight for us he will only betray us again and here is this mother that says give him and show him mercy she understood he didn't deserve it but it wouldn't be mercy if we all deserved it the gospel of Jesus Christ is one of the deliverance of the cross and this is one that throws a lot of religious people out of the water There are a lot of people that say, well, you must be baptized before you get to heaven. 
Oh, you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must be speaking in tongues. You must have uh, uh, gone through the 12-step uh, you know, ministry program in order for you to be saved. And here is the criminal on the cross knocking on death's door in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through to 43. Two criminals hanging next to him. One blasphemed Jesus Christ and said, if you are the Christ, save us, save yourself and save us. The other rebuked him, answered and said, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeedly justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus responds with mercy and says, Lord, uh, 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 sorry, he speaks to Jesus, says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds with mercy, surely I say to you, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. No baptism. No speaking in tongues. No signing ministry standards. Jesus says, you can come into heaven with me. Now what ultimately baffles me is how can two men be in the presence of Jesus Christ and only one gets mercy? And the answer is it's all to do with the approach. When you come into the presence of God, we don't deserve mercy. What we deserve is punishment. We come into the presence of God and it's only been a few days since Sunday and we've already stuffed up. We come to church and we've been challenged many years being under the ministry and being challenged to serve and rise up and be used and give and be instrumental. And we fail when we break promises and we let God down and we come into the presence of God. But it's how we approach the presence of God that makes all the difference. Number one is as people of God, we must be humble. We don't deserve the mercies of God. And so we humble ourselves. The man here is King Ben-Hadad and says, I know I should be killed right now. He is summoned into the presence of the king and he pitches up. You know, the best thing you can do when you, are, you have failed or you are wrestling in your mind is just come to church. The worst thing you can do is, I don't deserve, I'm going to stay home. That's the worst thing you can do. Because we know our flesh wants to be as far away from the presence of God. But thank God that here is Ben-Hadad. Had he not pitched up, had he not come into the presence of King Ahab, he would have not received mercy. But his, his stance, his willingness to at least be in the presence, he makes himself vulnerable in the presence of King Ahab. And as a result, he's shown mercy. Humble yourself. None of us deserve the blessings of God. There is not one person righteous, no, not one, not one person blameless. We all make mistakes. 
But the difference between the two criminals is the approach. Humble yourself at at the presence of Jesus Christ. Number two, it has to do with recognizing your need. The criminal on the cross understood that unless I cry out to this Jesus, I will not receive heaven. I will not step into paradise. He could not work his way in that short period of time. Like I said, he could not be baptized. He couldn't go on impact teams. He couldn't sign any ministry standard forms. All he had to do was rely on Jesus Christ. What about you this evening? Have you stopped relying on Jesus? And now it's just, I got this. There's something about recognizing our desperate need. You know, if I didn't come to church, man, it would be a bad scene. If I wasn't saved, it would be a bad scene. And I'm still surprised at how some people, they come to church, they serve, and then over time they just think, Ah, let's not do it as often. Let's just, let's just cut back a bit. Let's just relax. You know, don't be so religious. Don't be so... And it's like, you know what? I've got one sermon. I could probably listen to something on a podcast or, you know, watch a little te- televi- religious television. And that's enough for me. And I'll be all right. I had the opportunity this afternoon to witness to this lady. She came to the place where I was working to see her husband and her husband had told me that she wants to start going to church. And I was concerned because she had attended a church in the past and this church actually said to her that this church believes basically that God is whatever you perceive him to be. And so he said that to me and I said, tell your wife she needs to run as far away as she can from that church. And so she came to the uh, car park and he called me out and I began to just quickly challenge her in regards to if you genuinely want to know the presence of God, it's not about uh, the flashing lights, it's not about uh, the uh, tingly feelings, it's not about emotions uh, and feeling the vibe and all that. It is about the Word of God that is preached uh, with authority, uh, with absolute conviction. Listen to me, uh, the Bible is something that will transform your life we need to recognize our need every time we're in his presence it's God speak to me otherwise I will not change who I am finally it's falling at his mercy we don't deserve it but thank God that he's willing to provide for us he's willing to demonstrate his mercy I I pray God demonstrate your mercies in my life. Reveal them. I know I don't deserve it. I know that I am, I am nobody special, but I thank you that I serve a merciful God. Hebrews 4, 16, the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Are you in need this evening? 
Have you found yourself trying to do things in your own strength, in your own ability? We desperately need to fall upon the mercies of God. This is why I come to church regularly. This is why I read my Bible. This is why I pray, because I know that every day, if I do not diligently seek Him, I do not deserve His blessing. I do not deserve His provision. I do not deserve everything that comes my way. But the way that I approach is say, God, please don't stop. Please don't let allow my carnality, my flesh to begin to rise up and block you out. I am falling at your mercy and I desperately need your help. This is what brings hope. Can anybody say amen? This is what keeps us in the house of God. I'm not doing this just for a time. This is not just for a season. This is not just until it wears out. I'm here until Jesus Christ comes back. I'm submitted until Jesus Christ comes back. I'm going to continue to serve and give and and be ready. Because ultimately, He is able to use my life. And thank God for that. Every single one of us can fall at His mercies and receive that mercy. Hallelujah. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments.